Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. Bible readings from Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 23. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Well, we continue in our our series, the big story of the Bible, you see the Bible tells one big story that finds its climax in Jesus, and so it's the story of God, and it's the true story of the world, and I invite you to find your place within the story. We're still in Act 4, the story of Jesus, the King comes, and today we're in Scene 5, Jesus and the Inside Out kingdom. But what do I mean by that? What do I mean by an inside-out kingdom? Well, what I mean is Jesus hasn't come to, to merely give us a new moral code, because if he did, we would simply break it. Nor has Jesus come to merely offer us forgiveness Because if he did, our stubborn hearts would continue to do things that require forgiveness. Jesus has come to offer us a complete transformation from the inside out. He's come to offer us a whole new beginning, a new birth, to be transformed from the inside out. You see, the problem, the problem of the whole world, the problem since the very beginning is that humans keep grasping for the fruit of autonomy. We keep grasping for power. We we keep wanting to define for ourselves what is good and evil, and this is the cause of all the problems in the world. This is why there's so much evil and suffering within the world. It's because there is evil in our hearts. Our hearts are greedy and selfish. The heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. So what's the solution? How can we change our heart? How can we purify our heart? Well, there are two basic approaches to how you can change your heart, how you can clean your heart. You can either clean your heart from the inside out, or you can clean your heart from the outside in. And the Jewish religious leaders, and particularly the Pharisees, 
that that very strict conservative Jewish pressure group believed that the way you achieved holiness was from the outside in. They believed that if you could get the outside doing the right thing, then eventually your heart would catch up. And we also do this. Do we only come to church when our heart is ready to worship? No. Sometimes I have to drag myself to church, and I'm the pastor. (laughs) But soon as we arrive, our heart catches up. You know, as soon as we get here and we start worshiping, I love it. And so the Pharisees believe that holiness works from the outside in. That once you get the outside doing the right thing, then your heart would catch up. The inside would catch up. And they're fanatical about this. Absolutely fanatical about this. So they are obsessed with obeying the law of Moses in in the strictest way possible. And so their rabbis, their, their teachers have developed many, many rules. Rules to ensure that they are obeying the law of Moses to the minutest detail. So they have rules for eating, rules for washing, rules for tithing their herbs, rules for this, rules for that, rules for everything. I mean, you you get the idea. Everything has to be kosher. And if you don't follow all their rules, you would be considered ceremonially unclean. That that means you, you are unfit for worship. You are unfit to enter the presence of God. And they would separate themselves from everyone else because, see, they believed that if you were ceremonially unclean. They wouldn't hang out with you, and they definitely wouldn't touch you because they were afraid that they would then get contaminated, that they too would become unclean, ceremonially unclean. So they would separate themselves from everyone, especially non-Jews and the outcasts, the immoral people. They would even separate themselves from other Jews who did not obey all of their rules. And, and the, the name Pharisee literally means separate one because they were continually separating themselves from everyone else because they were afraid they might become contaminated. Now, of course, this leads immediately to opposition with Jesus because Jesus doesn't obey any of their rules. He, he hangs out with the wrong people. He eats with the wrong people. He, he touches a leper. And he even breaks their Sabbath rules. So we read in Mark chapter 2, in verses 23 to 24, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some of the heads of the grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, the Sabbath day was a day of rest for the Jews. That means they they weren't allowed to do any work on the Sabbath. But but what constitutes work is, you know, picking some grains while you, heads of grain while you're going on a stroll through a field, work. What constitutes work? Well, 
You'll be pleased to know the Pharisees have developed many, many rules about what constitutes work. They had 39 different categories of different activities that would constitute work. They had rules about what objects you could carry and what objects you couldn't carry on the Sabbath. They had rules about how far you could walk on Sabbath before it became work. And you even weren't allowed to heal somebody on their Sabbath because that was considered work. Unless it was a life and death situation, but then you were only allowed to intervene until the person got to a point that they were no longer going to die, and then you had to stop because it was Sabbath. And so breaking, heads, breaking off heads of grain, of wheat, was, according to the Pharisees, technically harvesting. So Jesus and his disciples are breaking their Sabbath rules. Now, the problem with an outside-in approach to holiness is that firstly, it puts the letter of the law above the intention. So Jesus responds to them in Mark chapter 2 and verse 27. Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. In other words, he's saying, look, you've totally missed the point. The Sabbath was a gracious gift from God to us. God says, I, I think it'll be good for you to have one day off work a week, a day of rest. Now, you would think that's a good idea, wouldn't you? A day off work. But these religious guys have come up with a rule book to, to define and ensure that you are, having, you are resting from work properly. And they totally ruin your, your day off work. Rules for a day off. They totally ruin your day off. Now, if you want to grab a bite of eat, to eat, you first have to check the rules. If you want to go for a walk, you have to check the rules. If you want to go for a nap, you have to check the rules about napping. And they totally ruin your day off. See, the, the, the Sabbath was meant to be a day of rest and relaxation. Not to become stressed out about following rules. They totally miss the intention of the law. But the second problem with the outside-in approach is that it puts rules above love. You see, the Pharisees weren't really concerned if you were starving or even if you died. They were more concerned about you obeying their rules. Their rules were more important. And so Jesus, in Luke chapter 11, verse 42, says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint and rue and all all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. So the Bible tells us that we should give 10% of our income to God. And so the Pharisees did not only give 10% of their income to God, they would give 10% of their herbs in their vegetable garden to God but yet all the time neglecting the more important matters of justice and the love of God. Justice is talking about social justice, about fairness, about being generous to the poor, about loving people. They were putting their rules above love. 
It's all about loving people and loving God. That's why when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says in Matthew chapter 22 and verses 37 to 39, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about love. Loving people and loving God, not about rules. And there are many uh, legalists today, just like the Pharisees, who put rules above love. People who are more concerned about obeying the Bible literally than, than they are about helping someone in need and loving people and loving God. And they've reduced a loving relationship with God, they've reduced it to following a set of rules. Effectively, what they're doing is they worship in the Bible rather than the God of the Bible. You see, if your passion for being biblical stops you from helping people and loving people and loving God, then you've missed the whole point. Because it's all about love. Loving God and loving people. But the third problem with the outside-in approach, and the biggest problem, is simply that it does not work. You, you simply cannot change your heart by obeying rules. And this is particularly seen in Mark chapter 7, where the, the Pharisees notice that Jesus and his disciples aren't washing their hands before they eat. And so in Mark chapter 7 and verse 5, we read, the Pharisees asked Jesus and his disciples, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of their elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands, unclean hands? Now, this has got nothing to do with hygiene. They're not trying to say that Jesus, look, you've been unhygienic. It's got nothing to do with hygiene. This has got to do with their ceremonial washing. They believed that if you were to touch, come into contact with a non-Jew, uh, you, you, you would you'd become defiled. Uh, and, and even if you were to touch a, some food or an object that had been touched by a non-Jew, then, then you would become unclean. You would become contaminated. And so what you had to do, you had to do this ceremonial washing. Now, Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we need to do the ceremonial washing. The Old Testament only says that priests, only priests needed to be ceremonially clean, and only when they were eating offerings, sacrificial offerings, in the temple, in the presence of God. That's the only time they had to do the ceremonial washing. But the Pharisees have broadened the law to include all Jews at all times eating anything, anywhere. Their logic is this. We need to show God how serious we are about being holy. So let's not just obey the laws that we meant to obey. Let's go above and beyond and even obey the laws that only the priests are meant to obey. Then surely God will be so impressed with us. He will see how serious we are about being holy and he will, he will see how good we are. Well, Jesus responds in verse 7. Isaiah uh, was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written... These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts 
are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And so Jesus calls them hypocrites because they are are so focused on getting the outside right while neglecting what's really really important, the heart. And and he quotes the, the, the prophet Isaiah because they too say all the right things, do all the right things. They look so godly, so holy, but yet their hearts are far from God. And what Jesus is effectively saying is your whole approach is wrong. If you're going to try and do holiness from the outside in, it won't work. Because you'll end up just focusing on the outside appearance. You'll end up just focusing on the rules rather than, what, than the heart, what really important is, what's inside. And, and the Bible tells us that God is sick and tired of people doing all the right things on the outside all the time while their heart is corrupt. And so Jesus makes, wants to make this point about how this outside-in uh, approach simply doesn't work. And, and the way he does that is he tells them a parable. And it's a pretty crude parable about toilet humor. I mean, you kind of expect when Jesus tells a parable to say something like, well, consider the lilies in the field. But he says, well, consider when you go to make a, and it's pretty graphic, uh, crude, a toilet humor. And we read in, in Mark chapter 7, verse 15, he says, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them, be that unclean food or eating food with unclean hands. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. And then in verse 18, he says, Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. Uh, That's a pretty polite translation of some pretty graphic Greek. Okay, so what Jesus is saying, look, it it really doesn't matter if you've got unclean food or you're eating food with unclean hands, because the food doesn't go into your heart. It goes into your mouth and into your stomach and then into the toilet. So it doesn't matter if it's clean food or unclean food. If you've got clean hands or unclean hands, it all ends up in the same place, in the toilet. See, it doesn't matter what goes in your mouth. What matters is what comes out of your mouth. Your mouth is the trapdoor to your heart. It, It reveals what's inside your heart. And so Jesus says in verses 20 and to 23, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is written, out of a person's heart are evil thoughts, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. For Jesus, holiness comes from the inside out. It's the heart that is really important. And that's our problem. Because there's so much evil in our heart. How can we change our heart? What can we do? Well, we could do what the Pharisees do and just try and add a whole lot of extra rules like the purity laws. But that's merely papering over the cracks. It can't change our heart. What we need is a new heart, a clean heart. 
But how can we get a new heart, a clean heart? Well, in John chapter 3, Jesus has this encounter with this Pharisee called Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus is the teacher of Israel. In other words, he's kind of like the professor of divinity at the University of Jerusalem. And Jesus says to him in John chapter 3 and verse 3, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Unless they become, unless they have a, a, Jesus is saying, unless you have a whole new beginning, a whole new heart, by being born again, you can't be part of my kingdom. And Nicodemus replies in verse 4, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely that they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Now, Nicodemus is not a die-hard literalist. I mean, he realizes Jesus is speaking metaphorically here. What Nicodemus means by that is that this is impossible. A whole new beginning, that's impossible. We can do a lot of things, but a whole new beginning, a whole new heart, that is humanly impossible. And of course, he's absolutely right. It is humanly impossible. And so Jesus replies in verse 5 and verse 6, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And so what Jesus is saying here is, basically, he's saying, look, Nicodemus, you're right. This is humanly impossible. Flesh can only give birth to flesh. Humans can't bring about a spiritual transformation. For a total spiritual transformation, we need to be born of the Spirit. We need a work of the Holy Spirit. This is an act of God that brings about a total spiritual transformation within us from the inside out. It gives us a whole new beginning. We become a new creation, born again. And the phrase, born of water and spirit, water and spirit, is a very clear echo to Ezekiel chapter 36. It's something that Nicodemus, the professor of divinity, would not miss. In Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 25 to 27, God promises, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is being born again. This is being born of the Spirit. Having your heart cleansed and washed and purified and renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. A complete spiritual transformation from the inside out. And Jesus is effectively saying, this is now happening This is happening now in and through me, and especially through Jesus' death and resurrection. For on the cross, 
Jesus deals with the evil in our heart so that we can be forgiven and cleansed, so that we can be given a new heart, a pure heart by the Holy Spirit. How can we be born again? By just trying harder and harder and and adding a whole lot of extra rules? No, that's the same as trying to climb back into your mother's womb. It's impossible. And I must uh, admit that personally, uh, uh, I find the Pharisee way a little more easy. You know, if only it was a case of, well, all you've got to do is ensure you go to church every Sunday, read your Bible every day, pray every day, and give 10% of your income, and you will be fine. That will be easy, because if that was the case, I would do what the Pharisees do. I would give more than 10%. I would read my Bible and pray twice a day. And I would go to church every Sunday, and I would go to a home group. I would even become teetotal. That would surely do it. But that's just papering over the cracks. That can't change our heart. We need a new heart. We need a heart transplant. We need to be born again. And the way we do that is by acknowledging we have a heart problem. By confessing to Jesus and asking Jesus to forgive us. And then asking the Holy Spirit to come into our life. And allowing the Holy Spirit to invade you and dwell within you and to purify your heart. To give you a generous heart, a kind heart, a loving heart. And then to transform you, to give you, completely transform you from the inside out. So that you become a new creation, born again. You see, I want to follow Jesus from the inside out. I don't want to judge people by what they wear or what they buy. I don't want to be judged by by how often I pray or how, how well I remember Scripture. I want a heart that is quick to forgive, full of compassion, a kind heart, a generous heart, a loving heart. I want to follow Jesus from the inside out. And Jesus has made this possible. Jesus has made it possible by dying for us and then giving us his Holy Spirit so that we can be part of his inside-out kingdom. And this is the big story of the Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we do confess that our hearts are selfish and our hearts are greedy Often we do very kind things and very loving things, but at other times we are very selfish, very greedy. Won't you forgive us? And Father, we confess too that it's so easy to to just follow a few rules and and do a few things and then think, oh, we sorted, we're okay, and even look down at others who don't follow our rules. Won't you forgive us? Father, we confess that our hearts are not the way they should be. Father, won't you forgive us? Won't you pour your Holy Spirit into us afresh? Won't you cleanse our hearts, purify our hearts? By your Holy Spirit, Father, we pray that you would give us a kind heart, a generous heart, a loving heart, a heart that is quick to forgive and full of compassion, a heart that is after your heart. Help us to love others and to love you with all our heart. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.